I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and this is part two of our conversation with Arjun Vaidya. Now, in the first episode, we understood his journey, understood what he understands as an entrepreneur. Now we're going to deep dive into some of his inspirations. It's a fascinating conversation, so stay tuned. But if you haven't heard part one, make sure you listen to that before you come and listen to this episode. Enjoy. So that's the thing. Also, like Warren Buffett once said, right? Like somebody asked him, "What is the secret to your, you know, riches and stuff like that?" He says, "Just don't die. Just like, don't die. Just don't die." <laughs> He's like, "I've just not died. That's why I've been able to." Stay. And if you think about it for an entrepreneur as well, right? A lot of people talk about luck. I actually believe there is nothing called luck. Why? Because people say, "Hey, man, you were the right place at the right time. COVID happened. Ayurveda boomed. You were online. You were market leader, etc." I was like, "Boss, it took three and a half years for me to show up every day to make that luck, right?" So I'm a very strong believer in consistency and showing up every day. And that moment of luck, or that I wouldn't even call it moment of luck, opportunity will come. If you're not there to grab that opportunity, then you're not going to get the opportunity, right? So consistency, hard work, showing up every day with the same effort, whether it's good or bad, gives you time to grab that opportunity. Mm. That opportunity may come in the first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. You don't know when it'll come, right? But when it comes, you have to grab it. Are you ready at that point of time? Are you there? Are you there? Forget ready. Are you there? In fact, just two days ago, I wrote my acknowledgement for the book. So, in the books, you have this page called the acknowledgement. Sure. Who has helped you, etc. One of the paragraphs was, "I'm acknowledging the serendipity of life and the opportunities it gives you." Because the book was designed in that way. I wrote the book, thought I'd self-publish, and by chance, I met the publisher, and he said, "Hey, we've been asking you to write a book for us." So I was like, "Book is written. Tell me when you want to publish." <laughs> right? So it is that effort that suddenly materialized when a question was raised. Same way. How did we meet? Exactly. We met because I was doing an Instagram live series, and I came across your content on habits. We got you on the show, and that's how we met. That's how we met. Right? You have to put in all of that, and then opportunity comes. Take it with both hands. I think that's the. Someone thing. asked me why do you keep posting on LinkedIn? Hmm. You're such a busy guy. How do you take out the time? Hmm. I was like, look, you should be saying I'm searching for a job. <laughs> no, no. I was like, look, the people who bought my company. They found me on LinkedIn and reached out to me through a cold DM on LinkedIn. Oh wow, really? And then eventually bought my company, right? Now the relationship started on LinkedIn. Took a lot of work to get there, but if it wasn't for that DM, how would you? Wouldn't have had that relationship, right? Similarly, the fund that I run today, I got connected to the folks at Vol Invest through a cold DM on LinkedIn. Hmm. So why would I not? Right? You have to be there. You have to be, to be noticed. You have to be there. Absolutely. Lots of people say that you, know, you said I'm, I believe in hard work, showing up every day, all those hours, etc. People say, but then when are you enjoying life, right? Lots of people, I'm sure, must be telling you the same thing. What answer would you give people like that? It's not like I don't enjoy life. Mm-hmm. I today, even though I work twelve hours a day, I work out every morning for an hour. I go for a run, a long run on weekends, ten, twelve kilometers. I spend time with my family. I have my own podcast. I teach a course which I enjoy doing. I play sport. I watch sport. I've watched almost every single game of this World Cup. I'm having fun. Hmm. I went to Qatar for the weekend, watched the World Cup. I think what you have to train yourself to do is that while I was running my business, if I saw friends on a summer vacation in Mykonos and I'm sitting in my office 
on my laptop trying to close a deal. It's okay, right? I wouldn't feel FOMO as such. And when you have the opportunity, you go and enjoy it. But that's and the hardest thing, right? Not feeling FOMO at that point of time. Look, I'm human, right? So you feel, but your time will also come. Mm. And so when we sold our business, then we had all the time in the world to do that and more, right? It's about context. That person has done something to deserve that break. You have to do something to deserve your break or get your break or it may not happen, right? In COVID, while everybody was stuck at home and enjoying the first month, spending time with family and friends, I was in office every day in the warehouse packing orders. I was not complaining about it. When I was lifting 10 kg boxes and unloading a 750 kilo truck while everyone was doing, what are that, house party calls and those Delgona virtual coffees. games and... <laughs> Yeah, Daglona coffees and all of that. I was, I was in the office and I was fine. Hmm. I was okay. Because what I was doing then would create much more value than any of those things, right? So I missed out on a few things and that's fine. So this is the whole concept of delayed gratification, right? Like as entrepreneurs, it's something that we constantly talk about. A, where did you learn it? B, how would you explain it to somebody? Oh, to be honest, I learned it because the first few years were so hard. That I was like, okay, there is none of this anyway, so let's just keep zero chugging along. Zero zero sales, hopefully in the future. <laughs> just keep, keep chugging along and see what happens. But how would I explain to someone? I, I would say that, look, for anything in life that you really want, you got to put in the effort to get it. And that's how it is. But I'm a proponent of taking time off, taking breaks, getting that sort of time to refresh, recharge. As an entrepreneur, you may not get the seven-day beach holiday. Hmm. You may get two-day breaks, one-day breaks, a trek on a Sunday. Value that, cherish it and use it. Don't feel like, oh, I want to go to the US and do a east to west drive over a 14 day period. You may not get that. I never got that. I didn't take, the max break I took was four days off while I was running Dr. Vedas and that was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Why? I didn't enjoy it. I was on my laptop a lot of the time. I was stressed the whole time. I just hated the trip. So we decided we'll take at max weekends plus Friday, Monday. You take the entire week off, like, doesn't... You don't enjoy it, right? Why were you so busy running Dr. Vedas? Was there not a system that you could have put in place to I take think we over made a the mistake. work? We made a big mistake under-indexing on team. The reason we made the mistake is we didn't have the experience. And also we didn't have the funds, hmm. to be honest, right? That's reality. If I were to do it all over again, I would hire a much stronger, empowered team early on. But you have your journey to make your mistakes to learn and then... And no, you had to get your hands dirty for sure to figure all of we this out. We got our hands too dirty, <laughs> if I'm honest. Right. Uh, we did. And that's fine because at 25, 26, that's, you don't know any better, right? But getting your hands dirty and learning the amount of things that we learned. I can run Facebook ads if I want. Trisha can make an invoice on Tally. She's not an accountant or a CA. Hmm. We didn't have anyone to do it at times, so we do it ourselves. When we get an order for our products, let's say a hangover product from a wedding plan on a Sunday and they said, can you deliver it in three hours? We'd leave that family lunch, walk up the stairs because the lift didn't work in our office building on a Sunday, open the warehouse, take out the packets. Trisha would create the invoice and we'd drive and deliver to wherever that wedding planner was to get that sale. Now, context, that sale was probably 60 rupees into 300, 18,000 rupees. So maybe it was actually not worth it for me to do all of that. But we did hmm. Yeah, and I think it shows in, for example, in your cohorts when you're talking about and people are lobbing questions that Trisha like was happening the other day. <laughs> She's like, oh, like a champ. Oh, this is the, yeah. oh, this we've done. Oh, this is, this we've done. Because you all have done you do it everything. yourself. Yeah, you've yeah. done everything yourself. And I think as a founder, right, if you think about business as well and you think about life, you don't have to do everything yourself. 
we have to know how to do everything hmm. so nobody can take you for a ride correct so when lots of founders say hey like my agency sucks and they don't give me the roi etc i'm like what are you asking them for you're asking them for the roi they're not giving you the roi but can you read the ads can you go to the back end of the ads and read what they're doing and figure out whether it's right or wrong you fire them and say get better they don't know how to get better you don't know how they can get better you can't advise them on use this creative this product is doing better this is wrong the way you're portraying this product if you can't say the audience is wrong then are you going to lead them in the right direction no hmm. absolutely you're not putting in the effort in learning because i'm guessing learning is such an important part of this entire journey right like how much time do you spend on i remember to understand the amazon algorithm <laughs> I once asked one of my colleagues to print out the top 5000 SKUs hmm. in FMCG on Amazon and I read each and every name number of reviews studied those 5000 SKUs to understand what's working and what's not 5000 line item excel read every single one of them initially we were trying to do export set we had no contacts no leads so I pulled out the export data you can buy the data right at the port all the export data for hsn code means every ayurvedic export from bombay port mm. let's say for example and they give you the name of the importer in the various countries i went through that list of some 1500000 names from that found the contact details of 300 of those importers wrote all of them mm. from fiji to hong kong to london to the caribbean to the us to south africa wrote to all of these people and, and, and you did this I wrote them. you didn't and hire somebody and I like remember this so and clearly like my eyes are shutting it's 1:30 am i'm going through this list trying to find their contacts most of them don't have websites some of them have email addresses some of them don't it's an amazing experience trying to personalize each of them Ah, but that their software. So I learned a software <laughs> called Mail Merge at that time. Now there's much better things, but that first I should do it without a software. And then I was like, this is so bloody inefficient, mm. so inefficient. Crazy, yeah, absolutely. Now it's so much easier to get all of this in place. What are three things that you would probably do differently if you started now? I would say the first one is I should have realized early on that I couldn't have done it alone, and so hire a more empowered team and get the right people to help you. in the journey because if you don't have an empowered team compounding doesn't happen right trishan arjun putting in 12 hours a day because i genuinely believe more than 12 hours a day you can't work efficiently in a long period let's say you got to put in 14 hours one day two days it's okay if there's something special happening but on a consistent basis if you work more than 12 13 hours on a daily basis for 200 days a year it's not going to work you're going to lose efficiency so if you're working 12 hours a day into two people that's 24 hours of quality work but if eight people are working 10 hours a day or six people are working 8 hours a day the compounding is much more right so i think hiring a better team number two i didn't invest in brand early enough because performance marketing was just chal raha tha to we used to just keep it going right but after a while we realized that people don't know doctor whether they just know that this okay i went on facebook i saw this ad and so the brand didn't get built early enough it should have eventually the brand got built and it's a very strong brand but it didn't get built early enough and the last thing i would say is I made a lot of decisions early on out of fear, and so you're sitting on the fence with these decisions. Mm. So the worst kind of decision. Give me an example. For example, you pay to sponsor an event, but you don't take a proper sponsorship. You get branding, visibility, etc. All of that. So there's two packages: the three lakh package where you get the branding, visibility, the shout out on stage, you can go and talk, etc. All of that, or you pay one lakh rupees and you get put at the bar. and in the gift boxes hmm. nobody remembers you but i would always pay the 1 lakh rupees early on saying are 3 lakhs too much let's do the 1 lakhs maybe scared this that so 
and I don't blame myself at 25, 26, like no context, never done business before. It, I was taking a lot of decisions out of fear, but decisions out of fear actually are worse than taking the not doing it at all, mm. right? Because you're just half there. My dad used to keep saying you're slightly pregnant with all your decisions. That's not the way to be. Either in or out, take your call. And dad's wise words work at that point of time. I right? hated hearing it. To be honest, <laughs> I just absolutely hated hearing it. And I would argue with him all the time to his face, but I'd go back and I'd reflect, and he was right. And he knows that I didn't want to hear it, and I hated hearing it. But then I'd go back and I'd add action. It's not easy to hear, right? No, obviously. But there is wisdom, and so. And the worst thing is coming from your dad. You don't want that. You don't like if you had a mentor right? or something. You don't want like, to hear it. Like, like a, so he would say, like when other people tell you stuff about your business and they say it to you without. Any sugar coating, you're okay. But when I say it, I have to think twice, walk on eggshells before I talk to you. It's not easy. Not easy. But I had the foresight to reflect on it hmm. and value the experience, and, and I worked out. Yeah, at that point of time, it's terrible to hear. I don't like it. But that night or in the shower the next day, you're thinking about it for sure. Was he right? Hmm. We're gonna take a quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. So you have a podcast where you interview some of the biggest entrepreneurs, right? What are some of the learnings that you've had through those conversations? So many. Hmm. It's been like more than thirty-five of them, and all T to C consumer. Brands. Tell us about the podcast, and then you can. The podcast is called Direct to a Billion Consumers. The reason I started is because I had no context into what I was going to go through when I started my business. It's specifically for consumer brands and e-commerce brands. And I was like, I didn't know half of these things when I started. So someone's trying to do. They should know all of this before they start. That's why I teach the course. That's why I do the podcast. That's why I do all of these things. And now we're launching a version of the course in Hindi as well to democratize the learning, right? Because I didn't have any of this learning, and now that I have it, I should give it to everybody else, right? What have I learned from this? I've learned so many things from so many diverse experiences. But if I would like just pull out the most critical ones, nobody hits a home run on day one. And when you think they've hit a home run on day one, once you go back in the story, you'll realize that they've also hit their heads against the wall for two, five, seven years before they've hit that home run. And so, seemingly, what's in the press looking like a home run has had a lot of effort, time, energy, failure into it. Second thing, actually, all of us have those near-death experiences as founders, right? When it's almost going to end, and so you're not alone in that experience, right? It was almost over, and then it turned around, right? And The third thing I would say is that what seemed implausible five years ago in terms of the number of brands, the availability of brands, the appetite for consumption, the niches being developed—it's very clear that there is still so much more scope. India is a brand-starved nation. Consumers want more and more, and and so when people say, "Hey, isn't consumer brands, consumer D2C saturated?" Like it's 1.4 billion people in this country. Every market in our country, given the number of people who are available to do business and the number of consumers, will get saturated when someone's doing well. If you look at Ayurveda today online, there are so many brands that have come up after Doctor Vedya has exited or after people heard the Doctor Vedya success story. But you got to do it right. If you do it right, you'll win, right? There were many Facebooks before Facebook, many Googles before Google, and many Apples before Apple. But Apple is Apple, Facebook is Facebook, and Google is Google for a reason, right? Yeah. In fact, somebody keeps saying that you know the market's getting saturated. There's so many similar companies coming out, so many similar products, right? And the thing is that there's always a market if you know how to tackle, segment yourself. To tackle, absolutely. 
so these are some of the learnings that you had from meeting with entrepreneurs. What are some learnings that you got from watching sports? Because I know this is the other passion, right? Entrepreneurship and sports are your two things in life. Yeah. So what are some of the learnings that you've had in sports that have guided you so in life? So many, so many learnings. Look, I think the great, the great thing about sport actually is it's a leveler, right? So there's very few places in the world where you're actually, once you're on that field, everybody's equal. And then on that day, Morocco can beat Portugal because they played better on that day, right? And that's what we've seen happen was unthinkable. An African nation in the semifinals and I'm rooting for them and I'm so excited for them. So I think it's a great leveler. But I think the other thing about sport is other than restaurants, it's the most naked business ever, right? Because the whole world is seeing you fail, right? 88,000 people in that stadium. In that stadium are seeing you fail and plus those like... 500 million people watching you on TV <laughs> all seeing you fail you're scrutinized right so I think from all of that you learn if they're dealing with failure and they're doing the interview at the end of the game and England is knocked out of the World Cup and I saw Harry Maguire at a restaurant with his family and I took a photo with him and he seemed like okay you know what I went through it it was bad I cried after the game but life moves on right so I think life moves on is one thing I heard or learned second thing I learned is hard work you got to get better and you only get better by putting in the hours. So I think it was like, you only acquire a skill if you put 10,000 hours of work into that skill. And I see the best sportsmen in the world just at whatever age, at whatever level, still putting in the hours. Right? Virat Kohli is the perfect example of this. Doing well, doing badly, just effort happening all the time. The third thing is mentality from people like Jordan, Ronaldo, Sachin, it's that ruthless hunger to keep winning and to do what you have to to make it happen, right? And if it means against all odds, if it means standing against the world, but that clear horse with blinders side to that goal and getting there, I think that's an amazing learning from sport. And I would say the last thing is teamwork. I love team sport. I love cricket and I love football because they're team sports. And you see the best teams in history, right? They may have one hero player, but they will not win if the rest of the team doesn't perform. Mm. If you look at the best Mumbai Indians teams, Rohit Sharma has performed, Hardik Pandya has performed, Krunal Pandya has performed, Surya Kumar Yadav has performed, Trent Bolt has performed, Mitch Baglaning has performed, Kiran Paul, all of them have performed. So if they've won 12 games that season or 10 games that season, each game would have a different match winner. And that ability to nurture the rest, even if you're the hero in the team, even if you're the entrepreneur, the founder, to nurture the rest of the people to do what they're best at and get the best out of them, that's critical. So I think these are the few learnings from sport. I learn from sport every day, right? Like I wrote a LinkedIn post recently about the Portugal-Switzerland game where the manager, Fernando Santos, actually had the guts to bench Cristiano Ronaldo, the, arguably the best footballer ever. To play a 21-year-old kid called Gonzalo Ramos, who I did not even hear of. Honestly, I hadn't even heard of him. Then I did some research and found out he's the top scorer in the Portuguese league right now, playing for Benfica and all of that. Took that decision. If you get that wrong, you are the biggest villain in Portugal. Yeah. Now, his decision worked out. That kid scored a hat-trick. Portugal won 6-1. They made it to the quarters where they lost to Morocco. But he had the guts to take that call. And if it went wrong, he had the guts to say, I was wrong. Or I took that call for these reasons. Maybe it didn't work out, but that's what happens on the day. You have to be able to own up to your decisions. Hmm. Taking those tough calls, knowing that this is mine. And I think 
because Portugal lost to South Korea the game before, right? And so I learned a few things. I learned one: sometimes you got to go all in, you got to accept the consequences. Sometimes the shakeup is important. Hmm. The shakeup to get the team back is also important, right? So so many, you know, daily basis you learn, right? You learn, you see the people who have come from literally the humblest backgrounds, who didn't have enough food to eat, who traveled three hours to get to a stadium. And them excelling and them achieving, and you're thinking to yourself, like, really, like, why am I not being able to do this? Right? Yeah. You hear so many beautiful stories in the IPL. Every year, you have someone who's gone through so much personal strife, and their life gets made. And those stories inspire. I think the beauty of them being on a stage is that you can see them and say, "If they can, I can." If they can, I can. Right? That if they can, I can is such an important aspect. Like the Habit Coach podcast started like that. It was like, if I can do this, you can do this. Right? It's so easy. Come on, let's do this together. Right? It's all of that. This if they can do it, what is it that I need to do and able? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Last question. What's happening in your life now? Where are you headed? Actually, what's happening? So I think I, I talked to you about this, right? If you ask me where I see myself in five years, I will not give you an answer. Hmm. For me, life is about the next hundred days, and eighteen hundred day sprints make five years. So I don't look at five years from now. Had I looked at Five years from now, I would have never believed I'd be sitting with you right now talking about these things, right? So I think for me, next hundred days, New Year, setting goals for my work, for the fund, for all of those things. We're going to do it sort of towards the end of this week and plan what's there ahead. I have some fitness goals for myself, which I want to get started on. I have some other sort of outside of work goals that I've set for myself, but most importantly, uh, a new beginning with family as well. So. By January, I'll be a father, and I think that's a new, exciting phase of life that I'm nervous, excited, anxious, and so happy to embark on. Baby number two, baby number one. No, after the after doctor, after, after after doctor. but I've but I've but I've heard that it's crazily different experience, <laughs> different kinds of sleepless nights. Yeah, so that's an exciting new journey ahead, and I think I'm I'm just thankful to be at the phase in life that I am right now to be able to enjoy it because. Two years ago, I would be a different person, Crazy. Um, going through different things. How would you do your goal planning for the next year? Quickly, if you can, like, do you have a particular I format a, that you do? Yeah, yeah. So I am a guy who believes in quantifiable goals. Huh. If you set these, I will be rich. Huh. Random you ones. Set these. I will be fit. Hmm. I will get fitter. I will be better at work. I will do this. I will do that. Right. So I'll, I'll give you examples of the goals. Right. So from the fund, I want to do six deals hmm. next year. Now, I set myself a target of doing six deals. I'll do each deal on the merit. Maybe I'll do seven, maybe I'll do five. But I want to tell myself I have to do six. Let's say, for example, with my content on LinkedIn, I'll set a goal for myself. I want to write four times a week, every week, right? With my fitness, I want to work out five days a week for as many weeks as I can. If I'm traveling, if I'm not able to do it, tomorrow I have a 6.45 a.m. flight to Hyderabad. I can't go for a run at 4 a.m. It's not going to happen for me. So I would set quantifiable goals for myself and I'd hold myself accountable to those every month. Okay. And see where I end up. Let's say, for example, I tell myself. But how many goals will you end up with? So will you have 25 goals? Will you have five goals that you'll focus on? Will you have 10 goals that you'll focus on? In each aspect of my life, hmm. I will set three, four, five goals, right? So there'll be work, hmm. there'll be passions outside of work, and there'll be fitness, and then there'll be family. I think these are the four aspects that I would set goals on. And that's how I... And three, four goals for each. And that's how I'll assess myself. Maybe not three, four goals, maybe what's relevant for that aspect. But I will keep goals in each of these parts, right? I will not say only work goals are important. Right. 
and I'll let my fitness goals go because I'm killing it at work. And you won't put weightages on no none of that. No, I I haven't got there yet. I know people do the weightages, but I think the weightages allow you to cheat. Hmm. This is not so important, so it's okay if I don't do it's it. It's a low weight, so I'll prioritize that, and I'll I'll get a hundred percent on that and not get this. I haven't decided. Or I don't believe that any of these things have more weight than the. Do you write your goals, put them on the walls? Do you do any yeah. of that kind of yeah. stuff? Tell, yeah. tell, tell, tell. Yeah. tell. Yeah. So I I don't put them on the wall, hmm. but I put them in this notebook that I carry with me everywhere I go. Okay. It's in my bag, and I review it every month. And I also know that they're easy goals, hmm. in the sense that I set something I can remember every day. So if I'm messing up. I know in my head I'm telling myself you are behind on this one. Right. If it's a really complex goal like I have to do this and then this and then do that and then after that do this and then all of that you can't remember it, right? Mm. But here I'm saying I want to work out 5 times a week. It's Saturday I've worked out 3 times this week. If I don't do Saturday and Sunday I'm missing the goal. Interesting. Simple goal. Fantastic. Arjun this was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of this with us. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was brilliant. I'm so happy. Next year let's do one more and let's see where we are. Let's see where we end up. Let's see where we end up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashtin Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website awesome180.com or check out different content on my YouTube channel called AWESOME180. That's Awesome 180.